Because the hotline now I want to talk to Chris Lowe from ESPN, columnist, raconteur, star of stage and screen. And he's been busy because just keeping up with which coaches are coaching where in the SEC anymore requires a lot of attention. Right, Chris Lowe? You're right about that, buddy. It's uh, What's the old saying that, you you know, you're, you're hired in the NFL to be fired? I think the same thing applies to the SEC. You know, it's just uh, – just not for long. I mean, in fact, you, you go back and look at just since Saban's been in Alabama, his first year was 07, and I think the number of, of head coaches and the other schools, and I, I don't count Missouri and A&M in that group because they haven't been in the league that entire time, but if you count ju- just the um, – I think we lost Chris. We will try to redial and see if we can reboot Chris. And we got that number, which we'll talk about, the number of coaching changes that have taken place uh, one year to the next total, including staff. Because, you know, Tom, it's not just a case of the head coaches. It's a lot of assistant coaches. Now they have a 10th coach. Right. That's that's even uh, more. Um, and you, you uh, got somebody like Jim McElwain that had, he had, what, 14 people on staff, 16 yeah, people on yeah. staff when it came to coaches and right. auxiliary staff members and everything. So, right. you know, it's not just one family that gets uprooted. Well, yeah, in the case of, it's not the SEC, but in the case of UCF, uh, Scott Frost took his whole staff to Nebraska, his entire right. staff. The whole staff so, had to relocate. You know, that's a, that's, so it's changed a lot. And this is, this is what you have. We'll, we'll talk a little more here in a minute with Chris Lowe and uh, see if we can't uh, get that. We'll talk about those changes and why they've happened and also – uh, what this this impact will have on us. So let's go to the hotline now and talk to Chris Lowe, ESPN, about the, the coaching changes in the yep. SEC. And uh, we know we got five new ones, Chad Morris in Arkansas, Dan Mullen at Florida, Joe Moorhead, Mississippi State, Jeremy Pruitt at Tennessee, which might have been one of the better hires sneakily uh, by the SEC school, and Jimbo Fisher at Texas A&M, who seems to be getting all the value. Uh, Chris, that's a pretty healthy bunch of folks right there. How dynamically will this change the league? Well, like I was saying before, before we, we lost each other, I, I think there's been about 40-some different head coaches in the league, um, buddy, since they hired Saban in Alabama in 07. 40-something different head coaches wow. at the other schools. That's, that's staggering. Uh, how will it change the league? I mean, can anybody keep up? You know, can, can anybody catch Alabama? It looks like George and Kirby Smart are doing their share with the way you know Kirby's recruiting and the way he's put together that recruiting machine. You know, with Dan being back at Florida, I like his staff. I'm certainly they're going to recruit pretty well. But it's just um, you know, people have said it, that that the league has become a one-team league because of Bama's dominance. I don't I don't necessarily believe that, but I do think the separation between Alabama and everybody else over the last few years has been wider than than I could ever remember it being with any one team and everybody else in the SEC in my lifetime. Um, so it, it, it just gets back to recruiting the right kids and develop. Everybody talks about recruiting. See, I think it's evaluation, recruiting and developing. And Alabama seems to have done that as well as anybody. But you look at the new blood in the league, and some of it's not necessarily new blood, but new head coaches like a Dan Mullen. Dan knows that program. Florida as well as anybody. He was there. He understands what a championship program looks like at Florida, and I think he checks the boxes that Florida needs, i.e. offense, 
a guy that can develop quarterbacks. He's done that as well as anybody, you know, during his career. And I think that's what's been missing in Florida. I don't think they're that far off. Um, you go back to look at Georgia. You know, Georgia had recruited well under Rick. Uh, seemingly, according to the people that are close to that program, had underachieved. That's why they pushed Rick out, brought Kirby Smart in. In second year, they get to the national championship game and win the SEC championship. So I think, it, you know, getting the right guy, the right head coach, guy that can recruit and develop and hire good people around it means everything we've seen that across the country in particular in the sec i read a number the other day that if you just count the coaching changes including assistants we forget that of course goes on at the same time there's a lot of families involved uh that if you do count those uh they will represent 155 coaching changes since last year that's amazing and they're happening more every day so uh it certainly is. Uh, it certainly is change. Uh, and my question to you is, why do you think there is so much change? Obviously, uh, the record, but why do you think it's been so volatile? Well, the, the money that's being generated, the money that's been paid to coaches. I mean, look at the money, buddy, that's paid to coaches not to coach. I mean, guys that get fired, you know, they're guaranteed so much money. And uh, people look around and they see what, Saban's done for Alabama and, and Kirby. You know, and, and like I said, in, in, in year two, he's been able to transform that program into an, an, an SEC championship program and played for the national championship. P- people just aren't going to give coaches, you know, four and five years to build a program anymore. They want it quicker. And you know, when you're paying guys four, five, seven, I mean, we're, we're paying coordinate. Think about it. Of course, the two of us a little long in the tooth. So we remember the days that remember when Spurrier, everybody, the HBC went to $2 million a year as head coach and everybody just gasped. Yeah. $2 million for a head yeah. coach? Well, guess what? Coordinators are making $2 million now. Yeah. Or close to it. A lot of those guys are anywhere between one five and $2 million. So to answer your question, I just think it's it gets back to the money. The money that schools are spending on facilities, on coaches, on football teams, their programs. Uh, the money that's being generated, TV money, playoff. Um, people are always trying to find the right guy, and they wanted to spend that kind of money. And if, if, if he's not the right guy after a couple of years, it's going to be even more volatile than, than ever before, the coaching business anyway. Let's talk about some of the changes. Uh, and, and if we can, I don't know if we can grade them. It's not really proper, but I think we can talk about the ones that seem to have the most uh, positive impact, or at least at this point in time. Dan Mullen seems to have been, um, if it's not a home run, it's a triple. Uh, and uh, with the things the way the things are following for Dan, uh, so far so good. Uh, that would be uh, certainly an A by Scott Strickland for sure. Uh, and then you go around and look at Jimbo Fisher was a was a big get, uh, was was a very real big get, and and that certainly could change reverse the fortunes of Texas A and M, which have been so important. And, and they've been trying so long and throwing money at that for a long time. Um, and then Tennessee, you talk a lot about Tennessee in the past. Uh, Jeremy Pruitt, uh, he had some, he did a quick turnaround up there in Knoxville based on how things were sliding off the face of the earth into the, uh, the ocean. It looked like he stopped the bleeding at least temporarily. And it looks like it's been a positive spin on Tennessee, given what Tennessee's situation was, how grim it was. And you know it well, Probably have to give them a B plus or so at least for hiring Pruitt. 
depending upon what he does on the field. So give me your thoughts about that and disagree if you'd like, and tell me what about the five changes, which one you think was the most impactful? Well, I mean, starting with Mullen, you know, Mullen to Florida, Jimbo to Texas A&M, it's very rare, buddy, that in the SEC, if you go back to 2000, essentially the last 35 before this year, the 35 head coaching hires, it was very rare that a sitting coach at another Power 5 school came to the SEC to be head coach. I think there was only a handful of those guys going all the way back to 2004 or 5. So for A&M to get Jimbo and Florida to get Mullen is a coup. You just don't see that. Think about some of the guys that have been hired recently in the SEC. It's, you know, Ed Ozeron to LSU. A lot of them were guys who were out of work, had been in the NFL, guys who were coordinators. Uh, so both of those guys are proven and have won. So I think I agree with you that, that you know, Mullen to Florida and Jimbo Fisher to A&M are home runs. And, and, and to, to reiterate what I said about Mullen, what has Florida been missing the last few years? Offense. Offense, quarterback play, consistency on that side of the ball. And that's what he brings. And, he, again, he's done everywhere he has. As for Pruitt at Tennessee, the proof's going to be in the pudding. Uh, Tennessee has not been relevant nationally in a long time. I think a lot of that goes back to recruiting and developing. You know, they've had some good recruiting classes under Butch Jones. I'm not sure they they developed those guys, and they lost a lot of close games. You know, over the years that that, that they were right there, they just didn't get it done. Mismanaged some games from the sidelines. So we'll see if he's better. I like his staff. He's got a really SEC centric staff. Guys who recruited in the SEC footprint over several years and had a success, and that's what Jeremy Pruitt's done. Uh, but he's going to have to go toe to toe with, mm-hmm. you know, Kirby at Georgia, Dan Mullen at Florida, um, Saban at Alabama, uh, Muschamp in South Carolina, Dabo Sweeney at Clemson, and get win his share of battles if you're going to get Tennessee back. And I think that's sort of what we will have to wait and see what he does. I tell you, I like Joe Moorhead at, at Mississippi State. Yeah, I don't know much culturally. about him. Enlighten us about Joe. Well, I, think, I know I hear read about him, but you know I've heard good I think things. Spent time with him in preseason camp last. Mm-hmm. Uh, August when I went up to Penn State. Boy, he is a – you talk about a sharp guy offensively and the guy's related to him well. Now, you know, I, I, I was joking, you know, you, you bring a transplanted Yankee into the South, mm-hmm. you, know, mm-hmm. you know. But I think they, they've already really taken to him, and, and he's, he's a great guy. And really, go back and watch his offenses at Penn State and how explosive they were and how they moved, you know, spread the ball around. I think that's, that's what he wants to do there at Mississippi State. There's some good talent on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, I think they'll, they'll still be pretty good on that side of the ball. So he's a guy, I think, when we start looking at this in a few years from now, I think people will say that was a pretty good hire. I, I like him, and I think he's a guy that will connect with people and put a really good offense on the field. Yeah, sorry. So so now how does this translate? Number one, uh, Florida picked up a really, really good uh, wide receiver, four-star. He's kind of a local kid around here. We know him pretty well. Justin Watkins is playing at Claremont. Well, and that's receiving course suddenly with the transfers they've got. Uh, and now if they get Jacob Copeland, which remains to be seen, they don't get him. And there's a couple of people that got coming back, like uh, Kadarius Toney uh, and Tyree Cleveland and so on. The receiving core, which has been a real weakness to this team for a long time, with Billy Gonzalez back as a wide receiver coach, all of a sudden this could become a strength of this team. Really need to get some people who can catch the football, who can get separation. I think this will be a big a, a big thing for the Gators. 
What have you heard from the standpoint of recruiting about those things? I know Alabama gets all the love. Georgia had a phenomenal year recruiting, and that's as they should. They got the fours and the fives, whatever. But Florida very sneakily, I don't go much by recruiting rankings, but I got them at, I see, I see that the ESPN had them at 25th, and I believe the other news service, 247, had them at 15th. I, do you follow it close enough to make an evaluation of what teams in the league that besides Georgia and Alabama have done well and how Florida has been doing? Well, you're right. They need more of those guys, more of those playmakers, guys that can make the explosive plays down the field. But that's what their offense has been missing the last few years. You know, going up and getting the 50-50 balls, you know, and getting separation. You know, they've gotten some of that. Callaway was that kind of guy when, you know, when he stayed out of trouble was on the field. But they need more of that. They need more of those kind of guys. And I do think those type players will want to play in Dan Mullen's system, uh, will want to play in, in that kind of offense because he has a track record of producing explosive offenses and guys in offenses that can push the ball down the field and make those big chunk plays. No, I think they think those play, those type of players, and we know, buddy, the state of Florida has tons of those guys. You know, sometimes you don't get the right guys. Now, everybody comes into Florida and recruits. It's not just Florida, Florida State, Miami. You know, everybody does. You know, Ohio, Ohio State, Auburn, Georgia. Um, but getting the right guys, I think, is, is – and you're right. The Copeland kid is one that everybody's recruiting. And I've heard nothing but good things about him. But, but then they need to win their share of battles with those guys. And I think, again, it helps to have somebody of his ilk offensively who has done it at a couple different places and has developed offenses and quarterbacks and has proven that he's going to spread it out and use his playmaker. Chris Lowe, ESPN. Chris, uh, the whole saga of Hugh Freeze in Alabama is a bizarre story. Uh, one, I guess, perhaps a retribu- uh, of, of forgiveness. One, however, of uh, scandal. One of uh, the curious mix of, uh, of Nick Saban and Hugh Freeze, although they're good friends. It just didn't seem logical for a guy who's on top of the world after a tremendous season to go say, who can I go hire to cause some controversy? And although he hasn't been hired yet and may only be an offensive analyst if he goes there, the fact is it looks like something's happening with Hugh Freeze and Alabama. What's your inside info on that? You cover the beat in the SEC. What do you hear? What do you think? And what's your judgment on it? I think Hugh Freeze can wind up a couple places. I mean, I don't, I don't think it's just Alabama. I think Auburn would be a possibility. You know, he's a really good, long-standing relationship with Gus Malzahn. And you're right, he and Saban are friends. I think they've got places close to each other and on, on Lake Burt. And I know that, that Saban respects Freeze. I meet him twice back-to-back years. Not many people count on one hand how many people have done that. Um, I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen there. You know, there was a lot of reports that, that Saban was interviewing for the offensive coordinator job. That's not right. Mike Loxley is going to be the offensive coordinator there at Alabama. Um, could he end up as an offensive analyst, quality control guy, possibly? Again, I think that's a possibility at Alabama, a possibility at Auburn. Somebody, somebody's going to give you free second chance. You know, and I'd say he probably deserves a second chance. A lot, a lot of coaches out there have done things, been involved in things, and gotten second chances. And I'd say that you will get his shot. I don't know that SEC Commissioner Greg Sankey is real thrilled, would be real thrilled to see Freeze end up anywhere this first year in the SEC. Now, will he differentiate between being an on-the-field coach or just an analyst? I don't know. Uh, but, you know, 
remember, Freeze didn't get any. The only penalty he got from the NCAA was if he were a head coach in 2018. He'd have to sit out, I think it's two or three conference games. As an assistant, there were no penalties, no show cause. So the NCAA really did not hit him with any severe penalties at all. So I think it's more a conference tape deal if he goes anywhere. I do think he's going to end up somewhere, buddy, with somebody's staff. We'll just have to wait and see if it's this year or if he has to, he has to wait another year. Yeah, just a final question about this. It's the nature, and I guess if you're a person who's a believer that you know all sins are pretty equal for the most part, although some are a little bit worse in the eyes of the law, uh, and Hugh Freeze wound up going to, I guess, Liberty today with his wife and spoke today and asked for forgiveness and made quite a remarkable uh, admission. Uh, and, you know, if you look at these things, there are some things that are bad and that are obviously that you don't get suspended or fired without it. But the bottom line is, is that we're talking about a guy who, according to what we learn, has, you know, used, I don't know if it's credit card, whatever, to call to, to hire escorts, whether it's for him or his players. He admits now that is his one sin and the one he was not able to control. So there'll be those that come down the side of forgiveness and those that come down and say, yeah, sure. He wants to say he's getting right with the Lord because he wants his job. How do you come down on that? You know what, buddy? I've never been one to judge, and I'm not going to start now, man. I, I don't know. I mean, I know I've known you for a while. And we all make mistakes in our life. I know I made my share of mistakes in my life, and uh, I, that's that's a road right now that, again, I'm just not going to go down. Again, I'll say what I said earlier. I think he's going to get a second chance. I think he deserves a second chance. I think we all do. And um, we'll see who, who, it, who it is. You know, I, I know, again, he's you know he's pretty close with Gus Malazan, pretty close with Nick Saban. And I'm, I think he's talked to other schools over the last – Two or three months about some positions. It, it, I don't know if it'll happen this year. It may be another year, but I do think you're going to see him back coaching. Well, there is this phrase called "Let he without sin cast the first stone." So we'll see about that. Uh, and speaking of which, Jordan Scarlett back on the squad at Florida, at least in the program in the process. So there's sins to be forgiven there too. They're everywhere, Chris. And matter of fact, we could use a few for our little forgiveness of some of ours. So. <laughs> enjoyed the conversation uh, we got a long, long way to wait for football again but we'll get through it and hope to get a chance to talk to you again soon you bet buddy it's good catching up man thank Take you tell the, tell the ambassador I said hello I hope the ambassador will be listening here soon we'll do, definitely tell him that okay <laughs> alright All right, Chris Lowe ESP